Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. All right, welcome back to another episode of Search Talk Live. I'm your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber. Matt? Hey, Robert, how's it going? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Another rowdy crowd here in the Search Talk Live yeah. Auditorium. Sorry to run a little late here. We had some technical difficulties, but we worked through them, thank God. Um, but yeah, we are. We have an exciting show today. We have lots to talk about, and uh, our guest is well-known, and uh, if you don't, you live under a rock. <laughs> an SEO rock, for sure. If you don't know our, your guest, you definitely live under an SEO rock. Yeah. So our guest today is John Mueller. He is the Webmaster Trends Analyst at Google. Uh, he's responsible for things like uh, Webmaster Tools, or sorry, Search Console. <laughs> Still have that same thing. All right. Welcome to the show. Hi, Robert, Matt. Great to be here. Yeah. Um, so you're over in Switzerland. What time is it there? It's uh, like 9.30, a little bit past 9.30 here, so not not too crazy late. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Um, could you, you speak how many different languages? Um, I te- technically or, or practically, I guess, German and English. Uh, German is, is, of course, what we speak here right. normally. Uh, it's kind of tricky in Switzerland because the normal German is not the Swiss German, and the yeah. Swiss people amongst themselves speak kind of this weird Swiss German, uh, which I, I totally understand because I've lived here for so long, but I, I never really ended up speaking it. Um, and we learn French in school, so it's, that's <laughs> on top as well. Okay, wow, I'd be so confused. Nicht hart Deutsch. No, it's it's pretty fun. It's it's pretty good. And I think what what is kind of the the saving grace is in the office everyone speaks English, of course. So yeah. Yeah. it's uh, I I end up speaking most of the time in English and uh when when I do German hangouts, for example, it's always a struggle to find the German words for like these weird things like canonicalization <laughs> and I just end up using the English word. It's like right. I hope people understand. So John for the people that do not know who you are, can you give us a little bit, a bit of your background, how long you've been with Google, that type of stuff? Yeah, um, I, I think like background is easy. So uh, I, I studied mechanical engineering, uh, robotics uh, here at the university in Zurich. And uh, I ended up running my, my own software company, uh, which worked out fairly well. And then I don't know, at some point I decided to make websites, uh, mostly for my own company. And I was like really surprised that I could get my company website listed on Google on page like three or four when you search for the company name, which was like really amazing. And then I realized actually for the company name, you might expect a little bit more. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of where I got started with SEO. And then uh, I did a sitemaps generator because sitemaps just came out then and somehow got in touch with people from Google through that. And now I've been at Google for a bit over 12 years. So crazy long time. So knowing what you, you've been on both sides, knowing what you know now working for Google, were you, pretty close when you were building websites? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as no, the knowledge you had? Um, I don't know. It, it feels very different 
because <laughs> we we focus. I mean, it's the the I, I guess from Google side, the the interest is more on like we need to show some relevant search results, and if we have. 10 good search results, that's kind of okay. Mm -hmm. And from the external side, you're like, oh, I'm number 10. It's like, that sucks. I need to be <laughs> number one. Uh, so kind of the the direction is, is slightly different. Um, so that's, I, I think, one aspect there. But I think it was really useful to be on the other side for a while uh, because you, you understand the, the struggles that people have. Like normal people that have a website and their, their business depends on it to some extent. And it's like, what, what can you tell them that is more than just, well, things change, deal with it. Nice. Well, Google just recently turned 21. Happy belated birthday. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, September 27th, right? Yeah. So let's dig into it, um, John. We A lot has happened in the last two, three weeks um, with, uh, with the rich snippets or the, the schema and uh, the core update. Uh, I'd like to run through some of that stuff with you. Sure. Tell us a little bit about, uh, and your, t your time here is fortuitous, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing as the dust settles on the core update. Where has the biggest impact been? I don't actually pay a lot of attention to the core updates. So that makes it a bit tricky um, because... We we so so the the things that my team mostly focuses on are the more technical aspects with regards to crawling and indexing, and once once the content is indexed, we're kind of like well it's like it's it's there. We can guide people to best practices what they can do to make their information a little bit more visible, mm -hmm. um, but we wouldn't really be that involved on the day to day basis on on ranking changes. Um, that's something that uh, the search quality team works on quite a bit. Uh, they do a lot of evaluations. We, we meet with them every now and then to kind of discuss where we still see some of the problems coming up uh, as feedback, and they give us some hints on what might be happening in the future. And sometimes we, we don't hear a lot until Barry recognizes that something crazy is happening <laughs> and then we're all like rushing back to email and it's like, what is actually happening? Is this something that we should be talking about or is this something that uh, is essentially a normal part of the search changes because search just changes all the time and the different teams are working on different kinds of improvements uh, for search. And some of these changes, when we test them and evaluate them internally, they're like, oh, it's, it's no big deal. It's a small change. And uh, for one reason or another, it happens to affect a batch of sites that maybe SEOs that are very visible or very talkative with Barry um, see much stronger. And then they'll be like, oh, this big change is happening. And internally, we look at it and say, well, it affects like this tiny portion of sites. Gotcha. Uh, so that difference is, is sometimes interesting to see as well. <laughs> you can definitely get a distorted view of what's happening by watching the Twitter sphere of the SEO experts for sure. Barry looks yeah. at all the different metrics and sees where the, the jumps and the spikes. He does. <laughs> he does. I, I'm fascinated by him. But, John, would you say, though, can you delineate for our listeners what's the difference between a core update and some of the smaller changes that happen more routinely? Um, so smaller changes are, are things that where one 
one small team, for example, could be focusing on something fairly small in search. That could be something like we're recognizing dates a little bit better, or we're recognizing headings on pages a little bit better, or we're able to understand uh, more language versions and URLs. These, these kind of small uh, iterative tweaks that, that we do in the search results. And the, the bigger core update changes are really more about, like we, we've worked on a way to significantly improve the relevance of the search results. Uh, so that affects a lot more than just a small element of search. Um, obviously, there, there's some overlap. Uh, so if your site, for example, relies on dates quite a bit and the dates team makes a change that improves date recognition, then you might see a big change there. But overall, when we look at the bigger web, it's it's kind of a, a small tweak, a little bit, a little bit of an improvement. And at the scale of Google, where there's so many searches being done every day and so many new searches being done every day, uh, sometimes small tweaks can be very visible. So it's still mm -hmm. something that that happens there. How many sub teams that you described are working on the algorithm updates at any one time? How many areas of specialization are there? Oh gosh, I don't think we have any number. Um, but but you can imagine it's it's kind of like it's a big software engineering company, and there there are lots of aspects that go into the uh, search ranking system, and it includes a lot of infrastructure changes as well. So if someone creates a better way to store data in a database, and we can store ten percent more URLs, then that kind of is is something that affects search, even though they're working on a database part. It's not like primarily created for search. It can be used for any kind of right. content, um, but it also affects search. So there are tons of these engineering teams everywhere that are working on different things. And all of that kind of rolls into various products at Google. Sometimes that includes search. Sometimes it's, I don't know, maybe more Gmail or Hangouts or Calendar or, or something on the cloud side. Um, like. Lots of different things. Yeah, I, you know, it, it goes. It kind of blows my mind when, uh, you know, I, I listen to your. And by the way, I love your new format of the weather uh, on the Webmaster Trends. Uh, Google, oh, thanks. Our YouTube site. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think you have a new career pending. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that turned out really well. the The video team does, does a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, even makes me look kind of reasonable. And if folks haven't seen it yet, uh, John is hosting a, a new feature called Google Search News. That's and has that generated any new career offers for you, John? <laughs> has Hollywood come calling? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I, I think I need to work on the weather report. That's... <laughs> but let me see if I caught something correctly on that, because a lot of people were commenting on that video, and they said, gee, we hope you develop a catchphrase to sign off on. <laughs> and I actually thought you had one in that bit. Am the I right? Depends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean... Uh, th these are the kind of things that uh, kind of come up externally as well, where, where people pick up like, oh, John always says it depends. And it's like, it's it's fun to turn it around and say, okay, now I'll consciously say it depends. Yeah. Nicely done. Can so, you tell people about the new Google Webmaster Office Hours and Google Search News and how often is that going to appear? And tell us about the new Webmaster Office Hours. So the... 
the office hours are similar to before, except the kind of the, the technical details of how to join are a bit different. Uh, so that's something I, I briefly went through in the Google Search News video. Uh, the Google Search News is something we want to put out every, I don't know, four, five, six weeks, uh, depending on, on how much time we have. And uh, what, what I try to do there is to kind of combine all of the uh, important things that have been happening recently. So I do something similar internally uh, where I create um, kind of a monthly report of everything search related that's been happening, uh, where I do a short summary of what, what people are upset about, what people really liked recently. And my idea was to take something like that and also make that available externally so that it's easier for people to follow along and to make sure that they're not missing anything critical. And we... I don't know how to say it. We appreciate all the time you've spent on the videos and helping people. I mean, a lot of the questions you get are repetitive and, and I'd like to say, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're following best practices for SEO, really things haven't changed much, right? Yeah. I, I think a lot of things are, are fairly similar, but especially things around structured data, that's something where I, I think um, the the capabilities have shifted quite a bit. Yeah. So in, in the past, you, you would focus a lot on, like, I can make my page or my site so that it's crawlable. And nowadays, you just install WordPress, and it's like you, you have a kind of by default a, a site that works well for SEO. And structured data is kind of, the, the one place where you kind of do a little bit more than just create a site that works well for users. You're creating a site that also brings the information uh, to to machines that read the code on your pages. Yeah. yeah. Now, that, that brings us to a kind of segues into the schema. And, and that's something that uh, everybody kind of freaked out, a, uh, you know, a week ago when this was released. And, you know, I had to actually have a question here from somebody about schema. They were asking if they leave the review, the aggregate review snippets on their site, is there some kind of penalty for that, even if you're not using it or just it's okay to leave it there? Um, at, at the moment, the plan is really just to, to let people keep it there if they want to keep it there. So if it makes sense to show it to your users on your site, it's like, go for it. Uh, we also didn't want to create a situation where everyone had to panic and change things on their site and suddenly uh, start removing widgets or start removing code, and then they break something else on their site and everything goes downhill from there. Uh, so essentially what we wanted to do is roll out this change where we would say, if if there's a review about your business on your homepage, then we just won't show that in the search results. Okay. And you can keep it on your on your site if you want. We we just won't show it. Gotcha. You can hope one day. <laughs> and then recently, some changes about giving webmasters more control over how their site appears in the search engine results. Can you summarize those for us? Yeah, I I thought that was that was really neat. That's something that we've. Uh, been been working on for quite some time and something which was I, I think like hotly debated internally for a really long time because we kind of were worried that if we introduce even more robots meta tags people will be even more confused uh, because even with the current robots meta tags and the robots text directives they're, they're not, not a lot like you have the no index no snippet and 
that's pretty much what most people worry about. And we introduced a whole bunch more. Uh, we were really worried that if we introduce a bunch more, then people would get even more confused. Uh, the new ones that we have are ways that you can specify how your preview of your site is shown in search. So that, that includes the text snippet, uh, an image, if you have an image, if you're visible in image search, if you have a video preview, that's something there. And it lets you specify how, how long of a snippet you want to have shown. So that's, I, I think, the, the primary aspect there. Um, it's, it's one of those pieces of feedback that we've gotten over the years is like, you're showing my full answer in the search results. Why would anyone click through to my site? And now we're giving you a little bit more uh, control with regards to how long of a, an answer or kind of an extract or preview that we would show there in the That's search nice. results. That's really nice. And I, I think the interesting one is also the data no snippet, which is probably going to be harder to implement, uh, where you can explicitly take a part of your page and say, don't show this in the snippet. So if you have something like the answer to this question is blah, then you can take that blah and say, well, that should not be shown in the snippet. Uh, and with that, you would have the, the kind of the, the snippet, theoretically, the answer is, and then nothing, which would potentially encourage people to click through to your site and see like, wh well, what is this thing that you're promising? Would it actually do give you the rich answer if there is no answer? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, well, we, we would show that. I mean, we would show the the text snippet either as a normal text, normal search result, or as a featured snippet, okay. and uh, we would just cut out that part that you're saying. Well, this is something I don't want you to show in the snippet. I understand. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd want to do that because you're kind of running the risk of. Well, his example is great. Uh, we really, especially for the theorists out there, the conspiracy theorists who think that. Uh, you want to optimize for the Google SERP and that all the answers will be given to the Google SERP and some of the power of your website is decayed. Sure. So this now gives you a little bit of control to ensure that right. people come to the website for the full messaging of the website. I, I mean, it's something where you you have to look at your site and uh, see what makes sense. So mm -hmm. going back to that uh, answer, it depends, it's, it's really something where I, I don't think one answer will work for everyone. And some sites will say, well, it's worthwhile to, to mark things up like this. Others will say, I just want to have people get that answer. So if, if you're a small business and it's like someone is searching for your opening hours, it's like, why do you want to hide your opening hours? You know, just give them the opening hours. They want to come and visit you in person. They don't want to click on your pages. Or similarly, if you're selling something and someone is asking about your return policy, then like, why not just show that in the search results directly? You're not going to get more sales if people have to click through to your site and get that information there. Gotcha. Uh, on the other hand, if there's something unique on your site that you do want to have people like view in person, then that's something you can control a little bit more. Yeah, I think so, Robert, to your point, this is really the uh, next evolution of SEO, which is not only getting your page to appear on the SERP, but getting your page to appear in a way that offers maximum value for your website. Yeah. yeah. John, Google Webmaster Tools is going through some major, major renovations. For the best. <laughs> for the best, yeah. And can you summarize for us, what do you think are the biggest benefits coming out of this significant renovation? So I, 
I think the the biggest changes there are also things where I see a lot of SEOs struggle with uh, in that the, the general idea there is that we want to go from giving you a data dump of information to giving you actionable feedback. Uh, so when we're talking about the, the indexing information, we want to tell you like, these are some of the issues that are happening there and not like we found 5,404 errors on your website because maybe those 404 errors have always been 404 and you don't really care about that. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the evolution that we're trying to do there, going from just purely providing data to providing more insights and giving you more actionable information on things that you could be focusing on a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, from, from an SEO point of view, I know a lot of people are really keen on just like the give me all the, the bulk of the data. And that's that's a side where I, I sometimes see people struggling where they'll say, well, I want my 5,404 errors and I'll figure it out myself. And that's something that Search Console doesn't have anymore. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're kind of more practical minded and saying, well, I want to make sure that critical issues get resolved, then that's something Search Console will be able to show a little bit better. Nice. I have seen dramatic improvements. Uh, I mean, from the classic to now, I guess mm -hmm. <laughs> it's new Coke or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, John, cool. do, you, do you have a sense of how many people are using Google Search Console? And I guess I could really phrase it this way. What's the ratio between Google Analytics use and Google Search Console use? I have no idea. <laughs> you would, I, I think you should ask Gary on Twitter. Uh, how many people use Search Console? Maybe he'll have an answer for you. Um, the the um the other thing is just recently happened was that you're giving almost real time data. I mean, you're what two days behind now, three days? Yeah, it's that that was a really big change. Uh, the the Search Console team put a ton of work in to to get that. Um, also from from a policy point of view and uh, from a technical point of view to really get get all of this thing in here. I think it goes down to like six hours sometimes. Wow. So even less than a day uh, latency from when we would show the search result to when you would see it in Search Console. Um, it's it's at the moment it's uh, kind of split between the the really fresh data from I think the last three days and the the older data in that sometimes you'll see kind of a jump for some sites where it yeah. kind of shifts from something in fresh to something in the more stabilized data I think that's something we we kind of expect and especially for bigger sites you you might see that uh, but otherwise I I think that's really awesome to get kind of like sub-day data there. Oh, yeah. I, I was surprised that they managed to get that in. Yeah, I have one request, though, on the performance report. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, um, you know how you can get position? You have to export the file to actually find out the position of that keyword. Can that be something you can see without having to download the, the spreadsheet? I, I think you can see that. Like you should be able to click above the chart. You have like clicks, impressions, position, and CTR, and you can just toggle that on and off, and then it'll be in the chart as well. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't default to display Wait. it like okay. it used to. In that, yeah. but but aren't you fascinated though by the number of people who use third-party tools to get the data that Google offers you in Google Search Console? Well, the the reason why 
and I'm sorry, John, <laughs> but they say, you know, and obviously Google doesn't give you all the information. Correct. So it's, it, John, and why, I, I understand privacy policies and all that stuff. So why is it that you do not give all that data? Um, I, I think there are, there are two buckets where you might run into this this kind of difference. Uh, one is for queries that are really rare. Uh, that's something where, for privacy reasons, like you mentioned, we wouldn't show that in, directly in Search Console. Mm. Uh, so we wouldn't show the queries there. Uh, we would show the counts aggregated. If you look by URL or by site, we would include those counts, but right. just not those queries individually. Um, the other is if it's a really large site and you have a ton of search queries, then at some point we just have to cap them. And it's like, you. well, like we, we can show this many search queries per site per day, uh, but we can't show more than that just because we have to make some, some kind of reasonable cutoff. Sure. For resource allocation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think with regards to third party kind of tracking tools, it's, I don't know. I, I still struggle quite quite a bit with that because it's it's so artificial. Uh, the the kind of tracking of your ranking sure. versus what people actually saw. Yeah. Uh, sometimes what what people actually see varies quite a bit by location or by by the way that they search, and that's something you wouldn't see in in these kind of external tracking tools. Or you wouldn't see how many people are actually searching this way. You would just see an estimation like, well, we, we think this is a pretty important query. It's kind of short. Uh, but does that really match Search Console? I, I don't know. It's really hard to say. Yeah. So I also struggle with where, where the data comes from. But I guess that's, <laughs> that's a different question. Okay. <laughs> so we got to take a break real quick. But uh, we're getting back to the half of the show now, guys. So if you have questions for John, you can go to Twitter and type in hashtag search talk live. I highly recommend it. If you got something that is, is not just on your problem or something, but something that could answer a, a question for a lot of people, um, I, I Highly recommend you go on Twitter and type in your question. Uh, we've got uh, rare, rare opportunity. Oppor- yeah, yeah, sure do. So we'll be right back after these messages. Today's episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by... Hey, Robert. You're here early for the show. Yeah, I got a ton of SEO work done this morning, and I got it done way ahead of schedule. Couldn't have done it without Ahrefs. Yeah, so much easier than using multiple programs and having data in a bunch of different places. Plus, being able to see what is holding a page back from ranking in Ahrefs is so much faster than picking through each part myself. Oh, yeah, I agree. We use Ahrefs because it's so easy to teach people at our agency how to use it. Their YouTube tutorials couldn't be better. It's one thing to have a tool. It's another thing to know your team is using it to its full capacity. I don't think there's an easier, more complete tool than Ahrefs. Hey, Robert, why don't you hit them up to be a sponsor of the show? I am way ahead of you. Hrefs, the official SEO tool of Search Talk Live. Try their new seven-day trial for only $7. Go to hrefs.com. That's hrefs.com. Your website analytics data probably feels like this. But it could feel like this. Making sense of all the website data available to you hasn't been easy. Until now, Smilelytics transforms your website analytics data into easy-to-understand, memorable photographs. You pick your own photo theme. Smilelytics, 
S-M-Y-L-E, Lytics. Like analytics, only happier. And it's free at smilelytics.com. Want to know how your website is doing? Get the big picture with pictures. It's the easiest and most enjoyable way to understand your website data. No charts, no graphs, no cost. Sign up today. Smilelytics. S-M-Y-L-E-Lytics. Like analytics. Only happier at smilelytics.com. Learning a lot from Search Talk Live, but don't know what specific SEO actions you should be taking on your website? Or maybe you've tried to implement SEO on your website, but haven't gotten the results you were aiming for. We've all been there. That's why we here at Pixel Cut Labs created the SEO Project Planner. It's a one-time project where our SEO team runs a full site crawl, overlays data from leading SEO tools, and manually audits every page on your website. We'll use our findings to craft a strategic plan that covers everything from your link building strategy to page level technical SEO and content recommendations. The project planner is perfect for businesses that are serious about SEO and want to hit a home run by leveraging our proven SEO strategy. To learn more and to see pricing for your project, visit pixelcutlabs.com STL or text STL to 31996. Pixel Cut Labs, welcome to page one. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Now, John, what we had talked about before the break, actually, well, early in the show, I didn't mention it in the break, but we are we want to know who influences you. Who influences me? Um, I don't know. That's that's really hard to say. What what I I find really um, kind of influential in, in the way that uh, sh- shapes a bit of how we communicate with people externally are all of the new people uh, that are joining the SEO community. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something where I, I really appreciate kind of the, the fresh view of how things are and how things always were. And it's something where I I don't know. It always feels refreshing. Like if you go to a conference and you see some faces that you've never seen before yeah. and they present about new things, it's, I, I don't know, that's, that always drives me. And that I, I think also goes into like why, why, why I keep answering people's questions when it's the same question over and over again, because a lot of times these are new people and they're bringing new perspectives into the whole SEO area and they're looking at the problems in a slightly different way. And I, I think that's great. So I'm, I'm happy to help them to kind of move forward and uh, learn some of the things that a lot of us had to learn the hard way. Yeah. Is there anybody, though, that you follow on social media religiously that are can't miss people for you? Barry Schwartz? <laughs> um, religiously, I not really. No, it's it like comes and goes. Um, may, maybe the closest is Dan, Danny Sullivan to make sure that I don't miss anything that uh, happens from from the other side of search or from at least from geographically other side of search over in Mountain View. Uh, but uh, otherwise, not not really. I, I do watch out for what uh, Barry writes about as well, because that is often a sign of things that kind of come together. And if Barry notices it, then probably something is is happening in that area so it's useful for me to make sure that this is not something that i end up getting surprised by a couple Mm. weeks later yeah 
he does he definitely has his ear to the tracks. <laughs> how, how does it feel for you, John, to know that when we ask that question of other people, you're always on the top three? I don't know. It's awkward. Awkward. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I, yeah. I, I mean, I've kind of gotten used to, like, going to conferences and it's like, it's like John says this and Gary says this and then Danny says this and John says this. Uh, I, I've kind of gotten used to it. I think that's just a, a part of the job. It's like there, there are a handful of people who are very visible externally. Yeah. So that's that's where you get your information. And uh, that's that's who you stick to when you're like in, in a bad mood and you need to make a meme about Google. Then it's like John is in there or Gary <laughs> or someone. Uh, I, I'm totally fine with that. All right. On a side note now, you know, uh, Gary, he has, uh, some hobbies. He likes to dive and he's an amazing photographer. Have you seen his picture? Yes. What, uh, what's your hobby? What's my hobby? So at, at the moment I, I spend a lot of time cycling. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess you could say that's, that's a bit of a hobby. Um, what is it like up until maybe early last year, I, I went running a lot and then I injured my foot a little bit and I ended up going cycling a little bit more. And since then, it's like almost an obsession. So wow. it's like I, nice. I have my bike and then it's like, well, I could get another bike or maybe one more. Or <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like this terrible thing. And I, I find it interesting because a lot of the stuff that we do around SEO kind of maps to that as well in that you have some of these technical aspects, like you, you could have a, a bike that costs a lot of money and is really lightweight. But on the other hand, that doesn't do you any good if you don't have kind of the content that you need for that machine. Yeah. So kind of the training that you need for that. And like oftentimes you have a mixed set and that you have this weird shaky bike and you feel you're pretty good, but like, how do you get to the next level? Do you need to improve the bike or do you need to improve the content? Like how, how does that map? So I, I found that really interesting. Nicely done to bring passion. that back to search. Yeah, Nicely done. Well, we've got a bit of a mathematical question for you then. Um, Joy Hawkins recently retweeted that the knowledge graph in organic, which SEOs are popularly referring to as position zero, is actually referred to as position one in Google and mathematically used as an integer one in calculating the average position and not using zero. Can you confirm that? Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, I think people externally refer to it as position zero because it feels like it's above the other results. Uh, but we have so many different kinds of results that we just start with one and count through them. I, I think there's a help center page that talks about the, the order. And sometimes it's slightly weird in that you'll have a block of results and we'll count that block as one position, even though maybe there are two or three individual items in there. Oh, uh, So that's it's, it's the kind of thing where I imagine other tools count things differently and it's not. It's not uh, like obvious that you would count like this, uh, but like that's how we decided to do it. So we're trying to document that as well. Can I say that back just to make sure I caught it? If I'm uh, a knowledge graph position and my organic listing is right underneath it, are both of those being attributed as position one? Um, so in Search Console, 
we count the topmost uh, item as as the one that we would use for the average. Uh, so if you have three three pages in the search results, or you have one page that's listed twice, we would count the topmost one and use that for the average. Is that average is going away, isn't it? Um, well, the average is across all of the impressions that we had for that query or for that page or for the site. Okay, gotcha. John, can you talk a little bit about crawl budget? I think uh, it's one of the <laughs> most misunderstood most features, and I think it's because somebody got wrote an article about it, honestly, and I think misinterpreted what it is, and it caught fire, and I think now everybody's under the impression that you have this highly limited number of crawls by Google, regardless of what your website is. Can you enlighten us on that? So the... The, the kind of crawl budget that, that people talk about uh, is, is kind of a two-part thing. Uh, on the one hand, it's technical thing uh, in that we want to make sure that when we crawl your website, we don't break your server. Like Googlebot has a lot of bandwidth, and theoretically, we could do like, I don't know, thousands of requests a second to your server to get all of your content. But practically, your server would probably be unhappy with that, and all other normal users would be kind of unhappy about the slow website. Uh, so that's something from a technical point of view, we try to figure out what, what that limit is for a website. And we adjust that over time. So that's that happens totally automatically in that uh, when we see a lot of errors happening or when we see the results coming back slower, then the next day we'll crawl a little bit less. And if things speed up again, then we'll crawl a little bit more. Uh, that's kind of the, the technical upper bound. Uh, for most websites, that technical upper bound is way above what we would need to crawl. Uh, and that that's the other aspect there. That's kind of the crawl demand from our side. So how much do we want to crawl from this website a day? And uh, like I said, for most websites, the amount of content that we want to crawl is way below what we could technically crawl. So for the most part, discussion around crawl budget isn't really something that people need to worry about. On the other hand, if you're a really big site, if you're an e-commerce site and you have thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of products and you have all of these combinations and categories and, uh, I don't know, paginated pages, all of that stuff, then you suddenly have millions of URLs and you want to make sure that those get updated fairly regularly. Uh, so that's kind of the situation where you would run into kind of talk about crawl budget, where you want to make sure that from a technical point of view, Google is able to crawl as much as it can. And when Google does go out and crawl your website, it focuses on the URLs that are actually useful or the ones that you want to have indexed. Uh, so that's where you talk about things like how to do canonicalization well, how to make sure the internal linking works well, how to kind of remove URLs that you don't really need for your website. So um, things like empty search results pages uh, where you have maybe a search page on your e-commerce site and you search for a product that you never have listed. Why would Google ever need to crawl that? And how can you prevent Google from kind of running into that link and trying to crawl that? So, uh, so I have a hypothetical question here. You have site A, site B. Site A is semi-slow. Site B is like super fast. Does that have any effect? I mean, obviously that's a, a ranking factor sort of, but where 
what my question is, would you crawl site B more because it's faster or do you, do you get what I'm trying, where I'm going? If, if we have a higher crawl demand, then we might. Yeah. Okay. Um, if, if we're like, if we're looking at a blog and you have, I don't know, let's say a thousand pages on your blog and we can crawl 500 a day, then after two days we have your whole blog covered, then having a faster server isn't going to change anything. Okay. Like we'll crawl those 500 pages and it's like, we could crawl 20,000, but you have 500. It's like, we're okay with that. Okay. That doesn't change anything. Uh, the other thing that I think a lot of people still get confused is the general speed that it takes to show a page in a browser versus uh, what we actually use for the crawl budget, uh, namely just fetching the individual HTML files. I got you. Uh, so that's kind of the, the difference there. When people talk about PageSpeed Insights and crawl budget, those are completely separate topics. So PageSpeed Insights shows how quickly it's visible for for users in search, which is is great, um, and crawl budget focuses on the HTML files, which might come back a lot faster, which might be slow as well. Okay, that is tremendous clarity. Yeah, definitely. I, I one thing I want to jump back on schema question. I I just thought up of uh, will there be a point where Google will actually instead of marking up a site for for stars for reviews that you will actually aggregate that on your own? Um, I don't know. I, I think that would be an ideal situation that we could look at the, a piece of content and say, oh, this is a recipe and here are the ingredients and here's the cooking time, here's the calories, here's a photo of the recipe. Um, I. I think we're still pretty far away from something like that. You know, and the reason I brought that up is because it is so easy to control the review snippets. If it was out of our control, then it can't be abused. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I I don't agree that it can't be abused. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure find Somebody will find a way. Uh, I mean, well, not just SEOs. Lots of people are, are very creative. And... Uh, if, if, for example, you see that we pulled, I don't know, the review stars from, I don't know, what is it, Google My Business, uh, then I'm sure you would see this big drive of people like encouraging their customers to go to Google My Business and leave a good review. Uh, so I, I don't think kind of just having it automated where there's some machine learning behind it and that automatically figures out what you're trying to say on your pages will prevent any abuse. I also really appreciate the the aspect of structured data in that you can be explicit about what you want. Uh, so if you have a kind of a recipe, you can mark up the things that you really want to have included sure. in the recipe and you can make sure that there's no kind of machine learning aspect that will misinterpret what you're trying to say. Yeah. For SEOs who are really involved in testing, what effect does split testing a page have on getting the content indexed? Um, split testing, so so you mean for the users, kind of like A-B testing? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, that's something that, that comes up every now and then. I think we, we have a help center page on that. I'm not completely sure. Uh, but usually what, what happens there is... 
Uh, depending on how you set up, we might see one version or we might see both versions of the page. Uh, if you have separate URLs, we might see both of those URLs. And that's something where you as the SEO kind of have to make a decision with regards to canonicalization, essentially telling us, well, this is the version that I want you to use for indexing and to make sure that Googlebot sees that specific version. And uh, because that, that frequently kind of goes into the area of cloaking where you say, well, if Googlebot sees my A version and lots of users see my B version, isn't that kind of cloaking? And yes, yes, in a sense it is. So our guidance there is essentially to limit the amount of A-B testing to a reasonable time. Uh, we don't have any explicit guidelines on that, uh, but it's something where we kind of want to reserve the ability to take action if we think that it's it's important. If we recognize that this is an important site and they're always showing Googlebot this version and essentially nobody else sees that version, then that's something that doesn't feel quite right where uh, we would promise one website to users in search and they click on it and they see something completely different. That's not really the, the way that search results should be. Gotcha. Yeah, you said something really interesting the other day. Of course, you say that uh, every day. But one thing that <laughs> caught my ear is that you said click depth is more important than URL structure. Can you elaborate yes. on that? Yeah. So I don't know if I said click depth or whatever, but it's uh, essentially what what we see a lot is that the the homepage of a website is is the one that tends to attract a lot of links, uh, that tends to be the most important page on a website. Uh, so when we crawl and index a website, we'll kind of start there and we'll kind of aggregate the signals that we have to, to the links from there. And uh, from, from the pages linked there, we'll kind of aggregate again to the next level. Uh, so it's something where pages that tend to be closer to the homepage with regards to how many links separated from the homepage, uh, they, they tend to perform better because we tend to think, well, this is something that is obviously really important. It's like your homepage is here and you're directly referring to this specific page here. That means for you, this is something that you really care about. Uh, so we'll try to treat it with appropriate importance in the search results as well. And the, the other thing is the URL path where to, to some extent, I, I would say for a while at least, uh, it was that kind of the path and the number of directories that you have kind of maps to the number of links that you would click. Like if you created a website with HTML manually, you would put things in folders and like the more you click, the, cl the, the longer your directory structure would get. And that's something where I guess from the, the early days, there was kind of this equivalence of number of folders is similar to number of clicks from, from the homepage. And uh, with that, people kind of said, well, it's easier to count the number of folders for any given URL, so I'll just focus on that. Um, but nowadays, when people rewrite URLs, you can create folders however you want. So the number of folders that you have doesn't represent the number of clicks from the homepage that you would have. Uh, so the kind of that mental model of number of directories is number of clicks that doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, so that's, I, I think, where where that uh, particular question went. That is a great answer, and I think that's going to rewrite how some people think about that topic. Now, cool. 
I would like to ask you, John, you, you had mentioned to me you might have something that you would like to share with our listeners as far as possible new futures or something you might be able to share uh, that's coming down the line here. Um, not, not to put you on the I spot. Don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's like we, we just had all of these cool new things that yeah. come out. Uh, so probably all of that is, is covered already. I think the the Webmaster Conference is one that's that's pretty neat. Uh, so Gary has been running these Webmaster Conferences all around the world. And uh, now we have a chance to do one in Mountain View. Uh, so that's something that we announced yesterday, I think. Uh, we, we already got a ton of people who, who are interested in that. So it will be hard to figure out who, who you can invite, uh, where we have to make the yeah. cutoff. Uh, but I think, especially if you're in the area, if you're local to to California, what is it, middle California? I don't know how you yeah. organize that. Um, if, you, if you're low, nearby, then that's something I definitely try to sign up for and get in. Uh, we, we plan on getting some of the search teams that are also based in, in Mountain View uh, involved directly so you can interact a little bit with them and you can like, oh, like you rewrote my titles and I didn't like what you did or I really liked what you did, uh, you, you can tell the people directly. Uh, so I think that, that'll be pretty cool. Um, is it I'm fair to assume that there. SEO podcast hosts are going to get a certain presumption when it comes to that restricted attendee list? I don't know about that. Uh, it's So So one, one thing we want to do is provide a, a kind of a mixed audience because it's it's on, on the one hand it's for the attendees but it's also for the product teams there in that a lot of the engineering teams they don't interact with webmasters and seos on a daily basis we we give them information and point them at twitter and they're like oh my god i'm so glad that you're <laughs> dealing with these guys uh, <laughs> not always in a bad way um, because they have a lot of stuff to do as well i'm glad they're working on code uh, so it's it's something where I think we want to get kind of a more of a discussion going rather than just uh, one way of uh, giving information to that everyone. That's really cool. Uh, you know, if you uh, hopefully you guys do something on the East Coast as well. Orlando's nice. <laughs> Orlando's yeah, nice. Three hundred sixty-five so, days a year. Could do Disney. <laughs> we we have a few more that that are planned but not announced yet. Uh, none in the U.S. for this year, but uh, we, we are working on next year's plans. And nice. the, the goal is, is really to kind of go where people are yeah. and uh, to talk about the topics that are relevant to them there. Uh, so in, over the course of this year, that's been primarily focused on different places in Asia, lots of uh, locations in India uh, where we see that people really care about search but they don't really have the traditional SEO conference background that we would have here in Europe or in the US. And uh, that's something where maybe it makes sense to also have uh, some of these in locations where there is also kind of this SEO conference background where people have a little bit more experience. Uh, we're kind of winding down, but this is my uh, the question I've saved for last because only you can answer this question. If you could uh -oh. single-handedly eradicate one SEO myth from the face of the earth, what would it be? Now's your chance. <laughs> uh, one SEO myth. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there are a lot of these myths where, where people are 
kind of face palming on Twitter and it's like, oh God, this guy is asking this question again, like duplicate content or um, I, I don't know. There, there are a bunch of these that, that go around, but it, it feels like there's, there's always some aspect of truth in there as well. And that, well, generally, yes, this is not something you need to worry about, but there is this one edge case. And that makes it interesting for people because then it goes from being something that you just have to blindly believe to something where you can understand what, what is behind it and why is it like that. Uh, so that's, I don't know, the, what is it? Maybe, may, maybe one myth that, that I find kind of, uh, that, that happens every now and then, it's, it's not as common, uh, is translated content. Uh, where if you have content in English and you translate it into another language, is that duplicate content? Uh, that seems like something that theoretically you could think through and say, well, these are different words. So uh, of course it's not duplicate content. Okay. Uh, but even Isn't that, it, I mean, you, yeah, you have to kind of like think through it first. That's a good, that brings up a question. So at this point, uh, pretty much every site translates on its own through the browser, doesn't it? Or is that just... It could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's a, a great answer, John. And I have to tell you that you have tremendous patience and poise and grace in answering people's questions. And I did want to know that if deep in your subconscious there was a strong desire to just eliminate one question from ever being asked of you again. And that's where I... Oh, it'll still come up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's the tricky part, too, because then people will be like, oh, John said this was obvious. And it's like, I don't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> If he says that, then it must be something else. Yeah, that is true. That does happen to you. You do. You are a victim of that boomerang effect. It's time for believe it or leave it, John. All right, John. One of the most popular parts of Search Talk Live: believe it or leave it. And we are going to give you three actual statements we found on the internet, and we're going to ask you to tell our audience whether they should believe it or leave it. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Number one. Even though there is now a mobile index, you must maintain parity between your desktop content and your mobile content. Yes. Believe it. Believe it. I, I, I mean must is, is like a big thing, but it's something where I, I think from a user exper experience point of view, you, you look at sites on all kinds of devices and you expect them to be the same. So you look at them on your phone because someone sent you a link, I don't know, a short message somewhere. And then you go home, you look at them on your laptop or on your desktop and you expect to find the same thing. Uh, so I, I think that kind of makes sense. Okay. Question number two, blocking a page with robots.txt file is the only step necessarily and necessary to ensure Google does not display the page. Google does not. Sorry. Yeah, correct. Blocking a page with a robot's text file is the only step necessary to ensure Google does not display the page. Leave it. Oh. <laughs> I I have I guess some some background information there. Gary has been working on robots text for for quite some time and uh, turning that into something more of a standard. And so I. Yes, I, I know a little bit more there. If it's blocked by robots text, we can still show the URL in search, just not any of the content because we, we can't crawl it. 
Oh, very interesting. Hmm. All right, number three, there is no need to manually disavow links that you see in Google Search Console. Oh, man, people struggle with this all the time. <laughs> um, I heard you talking to somebody on uh, Webmaster uh, video that this guy was like, I check it every day. <laughs> yeah, I I do think it makes sense to to disavow some things. Um, I I see it as something where obviously if you have a manual action, like if the web spam team comes and says, oh, you've been building links in this sneaky way, and you look at it and say, oh, that was my previous SEO, of course, uh, then that's <laughs> something that you can clean up there. And you can try to clean up those links directly, or you can, or maybe also use a disavow file to make sure that they don't affect things. Uh, the other time where I see it being useful is if you're just worried about these links. And that's something I see from kind of smaller sites all the yeah. time where they'll be like, oh, an SEO pointed me at my links report and like all of these crazy links are there. It's like my business is going to be deleted on the off the face of Google. What, what do I need to do to clean this up? I have no idea. And then they can go in there and, and they can clean that up. For the most part, we we deal with that automatically. So you technically you don't need to do anything, but for kind of peace of mind, you're like, I did everything I could do, and I know Google's algorithms aren't going to deal with these anymore. And then it's like I'm on the safe side. Maybe I didn't need to do it, but it's like I brush my teeth five times a day just to make sure. You know. Yeah, I think it's important that webmasters realize that. You got Google realizes that you're going to get these crazy links. They just show up out of nowhere, you know, from spidered sites and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, they're they're aware of that. So it's not like you got one bad link. They're gonna. And you know what's crazy <laughs> is that uh, for some reason that's the one piece of technical SEO content that has somehow bubbled up the clients. And so you submit an SEO plan to a client, and it shows that you're going to disavow links, and that's the one thing that they think they know about, and they're going to yeah. say, well, why are you doing that? Because Google does that automatically now. It's the one thing that made it to the client. Yeah, I I think that's, that's something where we make your lives harder, but <laughs> it's still something where we, we need to kind of get that message out. And it's similar with JavaScript. Where it's like you talk to a developer and they're like, oh, Google can deal with this automatically. And as, as an SEO, you go, well, usually, yeah, they can figure it out. But uh, if you want to make sure that nothing gets lost, maybe there are some things that we can do to make sure that your site is easily crawlable and not just barely crawlable. Yeah. All right. I think we should do our Search Talk Live tattoo. Right. John, thanks so much for being with us. And you are a fantastic guest with some great content. And how yes. can you summarize your best piece of advice and something that is tattooable to leave with our audience? Uh, something that is tattooable. Oh, my God. It depends on how much skin you have, I guess. <laughs> and uh, money, by the way. Tattoos are expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not the webmaster guidelines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wow, Definitely not. This is getting hard. Uh, I learned the whole guideline set so I, I could present that. Okay. Um, really? Wow. How, how about something something simple? Um, never stop iterating. All right. Never stop iterating. Keep keep testing. Keep trying things out. Uh, don't don't let something that works well now kind of sit sit on its own. Keep 
keep working at it. All right, you just changed appendages there as you got longer there, so keep iterating <laughs> is a very great piece of advice and very short and succinct. I thought you were going to go with it depends, frankly, but uh, oh, keep man. iterating is very, very profound. Yes, we so appreciate all the work you've done, you, Gary, uh, the whole team. I mean, with the the uh, search console and, and your videos and everything, that all your messaging you're putting out there is, is truly helpful to us, uh, and, and we appreciate it. And thank you for all your contributions to the SEO community. Yes. Thanks. No, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Thanks a lot, John. All thank right, guys. You. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Another great episode. I kind of my own opinion. <laughs> no, I'm sure other people. But leave us a comment if you yes. agree uh, as you're listening to the show. We'd love to get your feedback about it and making sure that John's and everyone's advice was helpful because John gave some great helpful content. Yes. Be sure and check out our sponsors, Pixel Cut Labs and Hrefs. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Hrefs. <laughs> I use it every day now. And so do I. Yeah. Uh, And then tune in next week, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.